and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one traditional page of Talmud every day. And I say traditional because today's pages, Eruvin 40 and 41, are all about, well, keeping traditions. Here is one fascinating paragraph. And it was taught in a related baraita. Following the death of Rabban Gamliel, Rabbi Yehoshua entered the study hall to annul Rabban Gamliel's statement with regard to fasts. Rabbi Yochanan Ben-Nuri stood on his feet and said, I see that the appropriate policy is that the body must follow the head, i.e., we must follow the statements of the earlier authorities and not deviate from established halacha. All of Rabban Gamliel's life, we established the halacha in accordance with his opinion, and now you seek to annul his statement? Yoshua, we do not listen to you, as the halacha has already been established in accordance with the opinion of Rabban Gamliel. In other words, what the rabbis of the Talmud are telling us right now, don't get in the habit of just waiting until someone in power passes away or is no longer in power before completely obliterating the rulings, um, their traditions. What the rabbis are telling us today, in other, other words, is that it's actually very important to have political norms, to have the type of system in which not every person who rises to power gets to make the entire world anew in his or her figure. And to discuss this important, and I feel these days, embattled notion, I have the pleasure of talking to one of the writers and thinkers I admire most, the executive editor of the Washington Examiner, Seth Mendel. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm doing very well, but I need some help from you. Because here is Rabbi Yochanan Ben-Nuri, and he looks at Rabbi Yoshua, who literally could not wait for Rabban Gamliel to die before he said, this decree by Rabban Gamliel has to change. And he's reminding him of political norms and why they're so important. And it strikes me as a really, really pertinent conversation these days with political norms seemingly day in and day out under attack. So tell me, are we being too precious when we talk about the fact that we're so shocked or troubled by people not respecting norms and not sort of respecting their predecessors in office? Or is there, 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 some hidden wisdom in the rabbi's teachings that we really need to adhere to? Well, the answer is a combination, or both, or, uh, you know, we, we don't have any simple questions or answers in Judaism, right? So we don't say, uh, it's the some say this, some say that sort of thing. But this is a complicated question, because the first thing you have to realize that we're doing here is... We're sort of transferring rules or you know guidance in our religion into politics or public life, however you want to phrase it. So how well does that transfer? Right, that's the first question. You know, and the answer is that it doesn't transfer all that well as a principle, though it's a good thing to keep in mind. So here's what I mean. It doesn't transfer well as a principle, as a sort of bedrock principle, mostly because in Judaism, we take tradition as, I was almost going to say as gospel, but I really shouldn't use that <laughs> phrase <laughs> as, as colloquial as it is by now. But we take tradition as law, right? We have things like Makom Gavol, where you, you, know, you sit in a certain place a few times and you regularly and you establish your place. And it's sort of known as your seat. There's a, the shul that my family davens at in Lakewood, that my parents daven at in Lakewood. The only way to become a member 
was to just keep showing up every Shabbos and, and Yontif and everything for like six months. You know, in other words, there was no entrance for you. It was about, well, are you part of the community? You're not part of the community. What an amazing law that that, that should really yeah. be the, the rule for every synagogue in the country. It would be nice, yeah, if it were tenable. But yeah, so, you know, we have this concept of a tradition. You establish a place, you establish a seat. And I I once gave up my seat on Yom Kippur, I remember, to somebody older, and they were so incredibly thankful. It was like the back row, and this was in Washington, and there weren't a lot of seats. And they just were so incredibly grateful. I'd never seen anything like it. And I finally figured out that this is really the reason why, which is that, you know, we in Judaism respect established tradition, habit, that sort of thing as as a bedrock code, you know, and somebody giving up their place to this you know, to this person was, that was actually a huge gift. Normally in the wider world, it doesn't matter where you sit generally and just, you know, moving around seats for people is what you normally do in a movie theater or whatever to accommodate people. But there's something about Judaism that says, this is what we regularly do. So this is what you should continue regularly doing. In politics, the principle applies as an idea, but we look at certain things in our religion as uh, essentially equal to law. You know, it's things you just don't break certain traditions because they have established themselves, they have concretized as on the level of actual rules and not just recommendations. And in politics, there's really no such thing because, you know, politics is about how do we make the laws. So the only thing in politics that are laws are laws. And that's what we have the legislatures for. So you want to elect people to Congress to make the laws, but the traditions that we have about the election in order to choose who goes to Congress, outside of things that are set aside in the Constitution and other documents, are you know the way we treat each other, the way we talk to each other. What kind of ads do you run? What kind of ads do you not run? What types of days would you stay off the campaign trail and, and when wouldn't you? Things like that. Those are not laws. They are norms. And Judaism gives so much more weight to norms that they graduate out of the class of norms and into a higher class, somewhat akin to laws. It's like in chess, if you get the pawn to the back row, you graduate the pawn. Now the pawn is a queen. That's the sort of thing that we do here is that you march that pawn all those spaces one by one all the way in the same straight line, in the same way, in the same manner, patiently. And before you know it. (laughs) And then it graduates. But in politics, we should understand that these things have value even if they're not laws. But nobody's going to police them necessarily except the culture itself. The media will call things out. Other politicians will call things out. But I think that we tend to, you said something about being precious earlier. I think at times we are, and at times it's an admirable naivete, right? (laughs) But what I get accused of is I'm a conservative, and I've broken with my side of the aisle on several things along the culture wars and in the age of Donald Trump. And the fissures that have emerged, especially in terms of the culture war, they have great implications. And one of those is the idea that's now prominent on the right, on my side of the aisle of, well, they made the rules. It's their rules. So they have to play by them. So what do I mean by that? 
take cancel culture. We call out when somebody finds a conservative writer or politician or something, it goes back to when they were 11 years old and finds, I don't know, a tweet, a MySpace post, <laughs> whatever back then. It's like excavating a... Uh, a scroll that you found, you know, in, in the deserts of Egypt or something. And, you know, they find this ancient papyrus and uh, the ancient papyrus has a bad word in it. And so the person, you know, you got to pull your advertisers from their show or if they're in a movie, they can't, uh, they got to be dropped from the cast. Or if they're a writer, they have to, you know, go into exile, whatever it is. And for a long time, many of us conservatives complained about this sort of thing. And what happened was a divide between the conservatives who said, you'll be sorry for the rules that you're setting, and the conservatives who said, this is bad practice, and it doesn't matter who's the target. Right. And some of us you know, who say this is bad practice, we get accused of being peacetime conservatives and things like that. So you know, there is really a large contingent in politics that believes that is they're sort of invested in this cycle of escalation. And that's where norms usually come in, which is that what do you do when somebody breaks a norm? And in Judaism, where we started with this, in general, laws have changed and been adjusted over the years. But in general, breaking a norm is a very big deal. It's done sort of community-wide, and it becomes the new norm. Right? So the norm itself is almost not even broken. It just takes new form. And in politics, what we have now is we're living in an age of any broken norm sort of becomes the new benchmark. Here's where the precious stuff comes in, because the hypocrisy is something that is staggering. And what happens is people in politics who break norms have the chutzpah to then demand that you go no farther right. than the, the line that they just... That they just crossed. Yeah. The line. yeah. <laughs> they kick sand over the line. They draw a new line. Right. If you cross that line, they are outraged. So what do I mean? We have these debates about Donald Trump breaking certain norms about, you know, he lies, he makes stuff up. You know, people say he pushes rumors, right? So people go back and say, well, wait a second, before there was Donald Trump, you know, it's not like... Nobody ever did this. We had a whole thing during the election season in 2012 where Harry Reid, who was the Democratic Senate leader, went to the Senate floor and pushed a conspiracy theory or just a, a lie about Mitt Romney owing back taxes or something. And there was no punishment and nothing happened to him. And Harry Reid was asked about it years later. Do you regret that? And his answer was, well, Romney lost, didn't he? So that was hardball politics. But now when you say that, people say, well, Donald Trump has gone so much further and he does it so much more often. That's true. But what's the norm here? Is right. the new norm a number of times that you are allowed to misuse your public office to spread lies about your colleagues or other public figures? Or is it the lie spreading itself? If Harry Reid broke a norm, we should go back to the way it was before that. Nothing should change about our norms. We should note that that is a broken norm and not do it again. But what you end up having is this sort of arms race. And it happened with, with Robert Bork in the Supreme Court. You know, he was put through the ringer. You know, people painted a picture, Ted Kennedy and others, Joe Biden was involved. 
And they really just assassinated the guy's character and career. And then years later, when Barack Obama put up Merrick Garland in 2016, leading to the election at the tail end of Obama's tenure in office, uh, Republicans didn't even give him a hearing. And, you know, you say, and we got into these arguments like, well, can you believe the lengths that Republicans will go? And Republicans said, wait a second, you know, you've been doing things like the Robert Bork stuff for like... We were just following your example. For like 20 years. I mean, you just destroyed people in public. I mean, you nuked people. And they say, well, yeah, but Robert Bork at least got a hearing. You know, so what's the norm here? You can you could destroy a figure as long as they get a hearing in the judicial committee. Like, we aren't able to agree on what the actual norm is in politics because we're so invested in the right to escalate and the right of retribution currently that the norms almost don't exist because when we think of norms, we should be thinking of lines in the sand, right? To use Obama's red line thing. It's either a line you cross or it isn't. If you cross it and draw the new line, the old line wasn't a norm because there's there's no consequences and you've just moved the line. That's not actually a norm. And so that is the challenge that we run into in politics versus religion. A line you could move is not very much of a line. Seth Mandel, thank you so much for bringing some much-needed clarity and complexity into this issue. And, And may we all learn from the wise rabbis and be just a little bit more mindful of what it is that we're doing when we're doing away with norms. Thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you, Leo. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Magazine. If you enjoy this show, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafiomi. I'm your host, Leah Liebowitz. Our producer is Josh Cross, and our editor is Paul Ruest. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic, and we'll see you again soon.